0: But in a sport like hockey, you can't sustain doing that full time because you're not earning enough. You're taking up stuff on the side. There's not enough funding for these athletes to be at the best of their ability the whole cycle. Another big thing is obviously it's not really televised. You know, the world championships, European champions, stuff like that. It's on YouTube or you have to stream it. One of the main challenges is that, you know, you need a stick. Sticks, yeah, you you know, casually you might go to a community center and they might have a box of them. But on average, a hockey stick's probably like 50 quid plus. The facilities are expensive. The equipment that you need to play is expensive. and in the UK, really, you don't, you wouldn't ever play casual hockey. It would be a club thing, it would be a school thing. Whereas, you know, it's really easy to go on a bit of grass and put some goals out and play football with one ball where that's all you're having to pay for. If anyone knows anything about hockey preseason, it's disgusting. It's a lot of muscles that you don't even think you have. When you play hockey, you find them again. I was fine, I was fine. And then all of a sudden went to slap the ball and I just felt my hamstring go, like it pinged. Up. I literally, I was in agony. My whole like, back of my hamstring went purple. It was just like I'd never seen anything like it.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to an all-new episode of All About Sports, the podcast, a weekly sports podcast for the fans, by the fans. I'm your host, Mazhar, and joining me today is Rishab. Hey, everyone. And we've got a very special guest today. A dear friend of mine, a classmate as well from Loughborough University, London, Grace Ryder. Hey, Grace, how are you doing?
0: Hi. Yeah, really well. Thanks. All good. (laughs) Uh,
1: So Grace is going to be covering a spot that we've spoken about in the past, but that was more from an Indian context. This is the first time we're going to talk about it from an international context. Let's just say it like that. So Grace has played hockey in England. So that's what we'll be talking about today. So before we get into it, just a bit of a background about Grace. So Grace, like I said, is a fellow Masters in Sport Business and Leadership student from Loughborough University, London. Uh, she's interning, or uh, I'm not sure if you finished, Grace. Have you finished your internship?
0: I'm just, I mean, I've not finished completely, but yeah, for the time being, while the dissertation, uh, I might do a bit in September, but yeah, pretty much finished, I'd say, yeah.
1: Yeah, so she's been working in the commercial partnerships team at Footprint Sports and Entertainment. Uh, For all of you who don't know, that's the organization that manages Gary Neville and others as well, noteworthy athletes. She's done her PA, funny enough, in business management and then decided to switch over, much like a lot of us from Loughborough have. But The main thing is Grace played a lot of hockey and she was pretty darn good. And you'll get to know that through the stories that Grace is going to be talking about. So firstly, Grace, thank you so much for joining. It's a pleasure to have you on board (laughs) and I'm going to jump right into it. So how did you get into hockey? Why hockey? Like, I know you love netball too. Yeah, but but (laughs) what, what was the turning point for you in deciding that hockey is your sport and how did it all begin?
0: yeah great question basically school was the main thing so sort of i think also i'm sure it'll come up later but there's a difference between the state school and private school sector in terms of the sports that is offered i did go to private school so therefore hockey was one of the main sports for four girls Which is different to to state schools. Um, So, from a very young age, I'd say from year two, so I would have been um, six, six years old, it started to become into the games curriculum. And then from year three onwards, it was a staple. So, twice a week, we would have a two hour uh, training session. And then on a Wednesday afternoon, we'd have matches organized for us. So, it was, um, you know, forced. You had to play, even if you were in, you know, there was AB, you know, I think when I was in year six, there was there's there's an a b c d e and f team you know it it there was opportunities for everyone you had to play so yeah that was sort of from that young age it it had to be it, you had to play there was no opt in opt out so that carried on all the way through um prep schools so that was until year 8 and yeah i actually started out as a goalie a goalkeeper in year 3 4 and 5 and i loved it i thought oh yeah, this is great but then I just felt like I was getting left out a bit. I was like, oh, this is, I'm not, I'm not sure. I feel like I can do more. So I think halfway through year five, I said to my coach, I was like, oh, can I just have a go outfield? And I loved it. And you know, I was, I was pretty, I was alright at that. I mean, when you're ten, you can't be that good. But yeah, so I was like, yeah, I love being outfield. So then, sort of progressed with being outfield, started to play outside of school. So had a club going as well at the weekends played county hockey because that's sort of like the natural progression you can sort of get put forward um, which is sort of the first stages of sort of going up the ladder in terms of performance Um, so that sort of was the foundation those prep school years until year eight and then again from year nine all the way through to year 13 it again was you know it was it was the main winter sport for girls so again had to play Had a really, really good coach at my senior school. He was, yeah, amazing. He'd coached um, England under-21s. Just a really nice guy. He, yeah, just understood. He understood me, and I think that sort of just, like, pushed it on a bit. So... Yeah, I sort of got way more serious at school. Ended up in the first team like by the end of year ten. So I was playing like four years above my age group, and then sort of stayed stuck with that team in year eleven. We got through to so they do in like English hockey they do the schools, the national schools competition. So you start like you'll play your schools within the county, um, then you become like county champions, and then you go to regionals. So then you play the the schools in the regionals, you win that, and then you go to the nationals. So we got up, it was a bit of a, it was the first team that we, it was pretty good team. We had a couple of like under 20, not under 21. I would have been under 18 England players in the team. And, you know, we were like, yeah, this is great. And we got, th- we came last, we came eighth and it was a complete wake up call for us. And then we sort of, yeah, upper sick <clears throat> was taking it pretty seriously. I actually stopped playing like county and regionals outside of school because I was at a boarding school it was just so much effort I was doing netball as well and it was just too much and basically that another downside is that if you're in a school like that you have to commit to school first and if you want to pursue something like hockey or even netball for example you you can't you have school comes second right and I just I didn't want well a I didn't really want to lose that school you know I loved the school I was at and B, I just, you know, it's such a risk, like, you know, if I hadn't have made it and then, you know, I, I'd gone out of school, it just it wouldn't have worked. So, yeah, anyway, upper sixth came round. I was made captain of that team. And then we came, we got through again to the Nationals and we came third. So that was, um, yeah, really cool. Amazing experience. Yeah. So that sort of was my yeah whole school career. And that's what sort of got me in. And that sort of pushed me all the way through to uni, really. So that was that was the story.
1: See, I told you, Krishna. And I told, and I, I told the viewers as well. She was pretty darn good at hockey. No, but Grace, you know what you just spoke about. The entire structure is very similar to the way Indian sports works in general as well. Indian sport works. So you move up from your school within your city, and then your state, and then so so state being the county equivalent yeah. in this case. And then regionals and then zonals and then regionals and something like that. I so think
2: somewhere along the line, there's some district at some point, which is, yeah. <laughs> they always yeah.
0: Look complicated, don't they? Like, yeah. Well, no, no. <laughs> Obviously,
2: none of, like we weren't that close. Mazda was closer than I was to getting to that <laughs> level. So we never really had to figure it out.
1: <laughs> yeah, but but no, you just have to fill in a consent form for me. And then I can put this into my dissertation, what <laughs> you just said.
0: <laughs> Love that. So fun. <laughs>
1: No, no, but honestly, Grace, it's it's an amazing story, and the fact that what you brought up about how you made that decision to stick to school and studying and not going into the sport because of the risk associated—that's a big decision to take at that age. So yeah, I think it was, also well.
0: for me, like the girls that I played with that did go all the way, you know, they they did play. They, you know, it was just hockey for them. Whereas I, I was complete parallel my ability to play hockey was the same as my ability to play netball if anything I I actually liked playing netball more but I loved the big team camaraderie of hockey and I just didn't want to choose and if you know even now someone says hockey netball I can't give you an answer so I also you know I would have had to have given up netball or vice versa I would have had to have given up hockey and I just didn't want to do it so you know that was another big factor for me as well.
1: Yeah, I, I, it used to, it st- turns sour when you become competitive about it, right? It's all fun when it's recce and then it's just going for a toss. Which brings me to my next question. What's the biggest challenge for hockey in the UK, according to you? Especially given that obviously it is a sport that used to be extremely popular, but now it's taken a sort of backseat, even back home in India, the sport which we have the most gold medals in, Olympic goals in. Finally, now, again, it's moved up. We won the Commonwealth gold. We won the Olympic bronze. So we're seeing things getting back to what it used to be. But it's still taken a massive hit with the rise in cricket and, of course, football being the biggest. So what's the biggest challenge, according to you, for hockey in the UK?
0: Again, great question. I think it has to be the fact that it's not fully professional you know it's not pr- fully professional they can't you know these athletes it can't be their sole income you know I actually had an interview um with for one my, for my dissertation um with a guy in the GB hockey team and he said you know we've all got part you know we've all got jobs on the side you know we can't it's not sustainable so you're then taking away you know an athlete that in other sports like cricket or like football they can put 100% all of their effort into training and to being the best that they can be. But in a sport like hockey where, you know, you can't, you can't sustain doing that full time because you're not earning enough. So then, you know, you're taking up stuff on the side and you're not being able to train full time and get to that really perfect. It's a complete, you know, loop. It's if you're not the best at what you're doing, you're not going to get the sponsorships. You've not got the T, you know. You've not got the TV input, so again, you're not getting the sponsors, and it's just one big cycle. So, it's a hundred percent the, you know, it's not a professional sport. There's not enough funding for these athletes to be at the best of their ability the whole, you know, cycle. Another big thing is obviously it's not really televised. You know, they the even the world, you know, the world championships, European champions, stuff like that. It's not. It's on YouTube or you have to stream it. You know. I think maybe BT sports like they put out some but it's you know it's rare and then again you have to you're having to pay for BT sports so it's not you know you can't get around you can't watch it and then the only thing that you can watch hockey wise is Commonwealth Games or the Olympics if it's on BBC so visibility wise it's again not there so I think that's a huge factor I think it's also the fact that it's not played by everyone it's not a but I suppose, you know, well, with football, for example, it's a majority sport. Uh, you know, it's played from grassroots. Everyone plays, regardless of the school you go to. Cricket is a bit, you know, hit and miss. It is probably more, you know, that pub- public school side. But people love it, especially with the 100. It's on TV. You know, kids are seeing it. They're getting enjoyment out of it. Hockey, they don't have that. It's played by mainly public, you know, public school kids. You know, it's not seen on TV and actually at a grassroots level, you know, in the community level, hockey's not offered because the facilities are expensive, the equipment that you need to play is expensive. Um, there's not the specialist you know coaches to coach whereas you know it's really easy to go on a bit of grass and put some goals out and play football with one ball where that's all you're having to pay for so I think those three things of it's not professionalized at elite level it's not televised but also more at grassroots it's not played by all so that they are you know that's why hockey hasn't been projected as much as the likes of cricket and football really.
2: That makes sense, Grace, and can I kind of follow up from that? So if you are a professional player, and again, to some extent, pardon my ignorance on this, what is the structure of professional hockey? So what are some of the, like, what does a year look like for a professional hockey player? We obviously know the bigger tournaments, like obviously Olympics, Commonwealth Games, but those are infrequent. Is it like international series? Are there domestic leagues? What's the year kind of broken up for? And I guess what portion of it are you playing versus what portion of it are you doing your maybe other profession to facilitate, a, you know, a, a sufficient enough income?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know the specific like lengths of time, but I know that every, you know, every professional pro hockey player, if you're in Team GB, you will all play domestic club level and they'll all be in the Prem. So there's the Prem League. So that's basically the top, top clubs in the country. They have, they have a team and they will train that. So sort of in the domestic season, they train just with them um and then they play that season out they then will also have if you're in that gb or england setup they will have camps like periodically throughout the year so that would maybe be like a whole weekend where you just do camps and stuff like that so that might be every depending on the if it's on a build-up to com games or olympics it will obviously be way more frequent but like a normal year that would sort of that's what that would look like um A lot of the the people in both men and women's hockey, they're still at uni. So if that's the case, they will just play. They will be at the top hockey unis, i.e. Birmingham, Durham, Nottingham, mainly at the top three, uh, maybe Exeter. And so then they'll be playing in the Division One Bucks. So that's obviously a very good standard anyway. Um, But... Most of them will then also play at the weekends for one of the top prem club teams. So because Bucks is on a Wednesday, they then got their Saturdays free. So if you're a uni player, you'll be playing both. And then, yeah, I think, you know, they have a lot of GB have a lot of just elite development programs. So you might not be in the main squad, but there's like a level below, which is like elite. Elite GB development or something like that. So then they'll have frequent camps. Um, and then they've also like they've just had the worlds, and with worlds, they do um, under 19, under 21, under 23, and then the senior team. So they're whatever, even if you're only, you know, you're 19 years old, you might be playing in the under 21s England team. Um, but you don't you won't necessarily you know I when I spoke to um, this guy in the GB team he said a lot of you know it takes a while to get into that senior team especially on the men's side unless you're outstanding unless you're 21 older you're not getting you're not hitting that team so it's actually late in like you know the guy I was speaking to I think he was 30 so you know it's not you can be old on the men's side I think you know more but also on the women's side there was a you know the the England captain at the moment, she, she played in the, what was it? I think it was the 2012 London and she's still in the team. So, you know, she's not young. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's a long period. There's lots of, you know, different factors, but that's mainly the the structure really.
2: Got it. Okay. And Grace kind of following up of that. And I think you've spoken to this a lot. So just in terms of the path into becoming that professional player. So it sounds like, it sounds like school county, and then uni but uni you might be playing outside as well can you maybe like track out what the path i think you've spoken it already but maybe just detail out the path to becoming a professional player
0: so yeah you have counties the beginning so you know you get you get into hockey through school mainly um and you might be playing for a club already on the side either club or school can put you forward um to be in county I mean it's a horrible process as a youngster like it's constant you know trials and you getting picked out you not getting picked like it's you have to be so resilient to get up the pathway so yeah it starts county and then there's a thing called jrpc which is like level above county so you're basically at every level up they're sieving people out so if you don't make that cut you know they're they're trying to you know county's all fun and games and anyone can play county really you know because at the end of the day that's money going towards back into that county the facilities etc cetera, etc cetera. um so you go jrpc and then you basically have these like futures cut programs so um depending on the county you're in you can you get selected into a team within like the count, the the bigger so like east anglia the south you know it's divided a bit like that Um, and then you have these like tournaments it's called like futures cup so again it's all you're all getting trialed the whole time you know constantly you know number on you and then from that sort of futures cup level you can then get into these sort of development talent development programs so um there again it's sort of the different squads you train you might play I think from there depending on the age group so when you're young you know there's there's you know, under 16, under 18, under 19, under 21. So it just sort of depends on your age group. You can then get into like the long squad. And then from there, they'll have like tournaments against, you know, like Netherlands or they might have little like, I don't know, what whatever you call them, like what they call like nation games. Um, And then from that, you then basically work your way. You try and stay in the under 21 England or whatever. Um, And then they also have this like GB elite development um, which is like an, again another sort of step up and then from there you can hit those you know those senior teams but when you're young like 16 17 18 if you're getting into England under 21 you've you you've made it really you're the best of the best of your age group and then it's sort of a waiting game you know you just you you progress progress to the point where you can you're almost like old enough and good enough to get into those senior teams um, so that's really the progression.
2: Interesting and that's a good point to- it gets cutthroat it sounds like it gets cutthroat pretty quickly
0: 100 it is horrible and you know you can tell the environment like people you thought they were their, your friends you know they're, they're not and you're fighting to get put in your good you know the best position because obviously it's all rotational and it's all fair and stuff so it's, it can be tricky it's it's not a nice you know it's not a nice part of of the process really
2: that makes sense. And I think it maybe ties into something that you said earlier, which is access to the sport, you know, like football, you just take a ball and can play anywhere. So we kind of had, had a question on that too, which is how do you casually play hockey? If you're, you know, obviously if you're not in going through this professional route and, and you know, county, etc. if you casually want to play, do you co-opt other facilities? What are the expenses looks like? How do you casually play the sport? Do you currently still casually play? What does that look like for a child adult? How does that work? Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. Great question. I mean, one of the main challenges is that you need a you know you need a stick you need shim pads you know sticks yeah you can have second you know casually you might go to a community center and they might have a box of them but you know on average a hockey stick's probably like 50 quid plus so but if you were playing casually then you could just pick up any old stick so I guess that's not a huge problem you can play on grass um when I was you know back in the day when I was I don't know seven or eight we did play on grass so it can be done but I mean it's not enjoyable at all um and you could again it's like football you know you can just you know make some goals and hit you know hit a, hit a stick about but also with that you need at least you know I don't know you would need a few players to make a you know good go of it um so yeah I mean you need an astro fundamentally you need an astro they're expensive there's not that many out there and in the UK really, you don't you wouldn't ever play casual hockey. You would it would be a club thing, you know, it would be a school thing. And casual hockey, I suppose you join a club and, and how that looks in England is that you join a club but you'd play for like a ladies' threes team, ladies, you know, it's not as you know, it's way more chill than, but you can still have a relatively good game. And then you just pay a, you know, you pay a sub and the facilities that you turn up, they've, they are you know, they're paid for the Astro for two hours or whatever. It's not like cricket and football where you just like rock up and yeah, casually play. Like you just wouldn't do it. Like it's not really something you'd do. You'd, you'd just join a club, I think. No, (laughs) and
2: it it, it speaks to the the good point you brought up earlier, which is Distributing the spot and spreading the spot becomes harder when there's that, like just this income issue that comes into starting up the spot and, and playing. So completely fair. Grace, we had to come to the point that I think you all spoke about. I don't know if we spoke about it before starting recording, but um you spoke a little bit about uh, your story, and Mazar knows your story a bit better than I do. But a little bit about you, I think went through some injury struggles um at some point and obviously had a pretty dramatic road to recovery. I don't know too many details, so. Could you describe that and talk a little <laughs> bit about your journey? Because I'm sure it will be inspiring to a lot of people um, yeah. who are listening from, in a sports background.
0: Sure. So I basically, you know, as I said, up to that point at school, I literally never had an injury ever. I think I rolled my ankle once playing netball and it was a quick, you know, like three weeks ice, you know, rice, you know, nothing. Just it just I was never injured. It was obviously it was lucky. Um, I had a gap year um, but after school. Um, I played a bit of hockey, a bit of netball, but I was working at a school full time. So it was quite demanding. Didn't take up like properly playing hockey. It was more, you know, as I said, like joined a club, but it was casual, like not properly intense training. And the same with netball. So I didn't need to be like properly fit, I suppose. Then went to uni, uh, went to York, which, are, you know, they're not the best hockey club. You know, I didn't go to... Birmingham or Nottingham or Exeter or whatever but you know they were they're were a decent level like tier two northern um, and I basically had to make the, back to sort of the earlier conversation about having to choose between netball and hockey I basically chose York was quite good because they had a collegiate system which was more casual you could play for your college and then you had the uni system which was the bucks, the playing on the Wednesday the intense training more serious so I basically had to make the decision and through actually people that had been at uni before me at York, they, a girl said, cause I was, I was quite keen on joining netball. I was like, Oh, it'd be fun. And she was like, Grace Just don't do it. Like, it's not a nice, it's not an overly nice environment. It's, you know, it's all girls. It's very competitive. There's only three teams. So that's only 21 players getting picked. Don't do it. And I thought, okay, fine. I'm going to take your advice. Hockey. It's, it's a mixed club. So it all seemed quite nice three teams on each side I thought yeah gonna go for it I'll play hockey and then can play netball uh, collegiate level relatively good level fine so anyway like turn up to pre-season coming out of basically not playing intense hockey for a season got to pre-season and obviously like I wanted to do well I was I was par- I was almost paranoid that I was gonna be terrible I was not going to get in the team. And I had the high hopes. I was like, yeah, I want to get in that first team. Like, I'm going to do it. Like, that was my, in my head, I was like, going into that preseason, it's going to happen. I'll do anything. Well, that preseason, if anyone knows anything about hockey preseason, it's disgusting. It's a lot of muscles that you don't even think you have. When you play hockey, you find them again. So it was pretty grim, basically. I wasn't that fit. I, absolutely pushed myself to the bone like I was exhausted and then so that was fine like I got through that um you know a bit worse for wear but I was fine and then subsequently I got picked for um the first team I was like great this is this is amazing and then literally first game in in the warm-up I was fine I was fine and then all of a sudden went to sat the ball and I just felt my hamstring go like it just went it pinged I was like this is I'm I'm really tough. Like I wouldn't, I would always just carry on. Like when I roll my ankles, I was like, oh no, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. I literally, I was in agony. I literally I just could not walk. I was, I cannot play. I said to the coach, I was like, there's no chance I can play. My whole like back of my hamstring went purple. It was just like I'd never seen anything like it. I sent a photo to my physio. Um, I was like, because I was obviously in York, I lived in Norwich, I didn't know any, you know, I'd only been there like three weeks or something. And I sent a photo, and she was like, "Yeah, that's gone. You've torn it. Like it's. I can see from the photos. Like it's. You, you need to come home. Like because I, you know, I trusted my physio. I I had had her before, and I was just like, okay, fine. Um. So, I I torn my torn my hamstring. You know, I hadn't seen anyone, but it basically meant that I was out for I don't know at least six months. Because, you know, when you're not at the elite level and you've got someone, you know, tending to your hamstring the whole time it's just going to take a long time. So I basically had to come to terms of the fact, oh yeah, I'd sort of got into that team and then bang, you know, it had all gone. I, you know, I wasn't in the team. I was, you know, struggling with, I would only, you know, I'd literally been at uni for a month and that was going to be my, you know, social circle. That was where I was going to feel comfortable. And it's sort of just, you know, I was like, oh my, what am I going to do now? You know, I was in the gym just... know I'd gone home she'd given me all the exercises but there's not much you can do you can just you know you go on the cycle you can do the exercises but it's just it's just a waiting game and I couldn't even really help in the training sessions or anything because like you need your legs really even to push a ball and stuff like that and that that early that early stage of the injury I was I was basically useless so stayed part of the club like I went to all the socials but I didn't get that like you know team bond that I thought I was going to get um and and also within like uni hockey you do sort of obviously you're one big club so there's three teams three teams on each side but you're quite like you have your like little niches within you know the, the each teams so I sort of wasn't part of any of them and I just you know I just didn't feel I was like it was just so frustrated with the whole situation you know I just didn't know what to do with myself and sort of slowly got my hamstring so like this was gone Christmas come back January I you know the captain at the time she said oh do you want to come to a few training sessions and yeah I went along you know I she she tried but realistically they were basically like oh you know we don't actually know what she's like like she could just be useless you know who knows so that was also really hard for me to hear because I was just like you don't, yeah. I can't prove myself. I haven't proven myself. You know, they saw what I could do in preseason, but it's it's not the same as it. You know, if you're when you're playing, it's just not the same thing. So, cut a long story short, I managed to get myself back to relative fitness, but I couldn't properly. You know, with a hamstring, you have to just be. And my my physio, she was just so cautious, was like, you just don't go back too early. Just you, it's so easy to because after a while with a hammy, like you can. You can jog, you can, but it's that sprint. It's that stop-start sprints, and if it's not fully strengthened, and I'd never been through phys- you know phys- proper physio before, and I was you know at uni on my own. I didn't have someone in my ear going, "Okay, right, ten reps, let's go." It was me just having to push through, like do the exercises. Um, so you know, going to the gym five times five times a week really. So I anyway, probably got to like March time um, of that first year, and I sort of went to a few training sessions took it quite slow um the coach was there you know and i i basically at the end of at the end of each year we have a huge varsity against lancaster uni it's actually it's called roses it's the biggest varsity event in europe um so they take it like so seriously so i basically was like oh i'd love to be fit you know to play even if i wasn't playing ones even if i was playing threes at this point i was like let's just i just want to play so sort of got myself back into training. It was fine. Like all was sort of going swimmingly. I'd also sort of dabbled back into netball, um, playing a few games at the weekend. And then I'd probably say like a couple of weeks after that, my ankle went, I, I basically pulled all the tendons in my ankle. So any chances of me playing for the rest of the season in hockey, it just, it just didn't happen. I, um, I think the girls from the hockey, they were like, oh, that's that injured girl again. Like, what is she playing at? Like, she's all talk. And I was like, no, like, I've never been injured before in my life. Like, I don't know what is happening. So anyway, like, rehab that for a bit. And then I got, you know, for that Roses, they were they were relatively, you know, they were nice to me. Like, they let me put my match kit on and like I got the photo, but I I didn't play. Like, I, I sat on the sideline. So that was sort of the first, like, year like, I just... You know, it was so overwhelming. I was gutted that I wasn't playing and the girls were, it wasn't a nice year. The senior girls were just horrible. Like it was just not a nice (laughs) experience. They were very much like pushing the hierarchy card, but it happens at uni. Like it just is what it is. And I think I just was a bit naive to the whole, whole thing really, and took it probably too personally because I just wanted to show people that I, I could play. And so, yeah, it was a bit of a rubbish start so anyway, came back the next year, feeling fit, feeling ready to go, obviously like f- smashing it, pre-season fine, got into the ones, like was very comfortable in that team. We had a great team. The environment was amazing. And we you can play like um, within the Bucks normal just league. There's also a there's a cup competition, so it's like knockouts. So we were playing so much, you know, every week in, week out. And it was um, like literally the game before Christmas. Um, We were playing in a cup game and it was really close. It was really, we won, I think we won 2-1 in the end. But I'd say like 15 minutes to the end, I went in for a block tackle and this she was probably, I'd say, six foot one, like not big, but she was just, you know, she was just huge, like in (laughs) height and muscular. And I went in for a block tackle and she just didn't stop running. Like she basically it was like a cartoon, like literally just slapped me and I just literally went like that bang back fell on my elbow and I got up and I thought I've never broken a bone before ever in my life I had no idea what it felt like um so like I I came out sat down on this on the side of the pitch and I was like oh you're fine like I just I could just feel this like not intense pain it was like a very slow burning pain and I was like oh I'll be fine like I've just bruised I've just given it a knock and then like the game finished. And then I just like, the pain just got more and more intense. And I was just like this, like something's not quite right. The paramedics came over. They had like um, at Leeds, like they had a, I don't know, like those people that just sit there. Um, they came over and they're like, yeah, I'm not quite sure what's going on. Like you'll probably be all right. Maybe just ice it. And I thought, well, yeah, fine. Anyway, like, and I'm not a crybaby, but I'd say 20 minutes later it was like, it was like a dagger in my elbow. And I was just like, something's not right. And my, all my team, we got back on the bus. And I was literally, I think at the shock of it, I'd, I'd, I've i heard with other people that have broken bones before, like, you just, like, it, you make, it makes you feel sick. And like, it's just not a nice feeling. So I was there, like, rocking back and forth, like, something's not right. And we were, it was just my team on the bus. And the girls were just like, I just don't think you're right. Like, I think you should go to ANU. And so the captain, she was like, can we said to the bus driver or oh, can we just go straight to AE? like I really think we need to drop her off. And it was only like 45 minutes back from Leeds. And he was like, well, yeah, I can drop you off. But I've actually got another job. So you're all going to have to get off at AE, like the whole team. <laughs> so anyway, they were like, yeah, well, fine. Let's go. So anyway, we all got off. We all waited in any for four hours and learn. Behold, I had fractured my elbow. So that was then like, oh, I'm injured again. This is great. Like just what I needed. Um, luckily- shrub's
1: expression is priceless. <laughs> this is just insane. They're like yeah. four
2: injuries back to back. Holy shit. I'm hoping it's game, but keep going. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, luckily it was over Christmas. So I had like the properly like bad three weeks. Uh, obviously back to my physio, like, oh, Lorna, no, like, like I've broken my elbow and she was like, What is going on? So, anyway, she was really good. Like, I I couldn't drive for six weeks. So, that was a bit of a pain in the arse over Christmas. But I came sort of, and I, I think I broke my arm because I don't really have any muscle in my arm. And I think because there was no like protection. It just went it fractured so it was the rehab that time was actually okay first getting the actual motion back because I couldn't I just couldn't straighten my elbow it was horrible um so obviously like I had to get the actually the movement back in the joint but then it was actually like Lorna said you really need to get some muscle in your arms so I spent like the whole of Christmas and then I'd say basically the whole of January strengthening my arm, my actual muscle in my arms again, because the elbow just didn't, didn't have any support. Um, we'd started playing, you know, back in the season, second half of the season for hockey. And um, yeah, I probably say I missed, I don't know, only uh, probably three games. And in that third game, I was like, oh, I went to every game and I was like, yeah, I said to the captain, oh, I can play. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I think I played half a game and it, it just, you know, it just wasn't quite there. And I was like, Oh, I can't risk it. Um, but yeah, no, that was sort of got back into that the back end of the season, and then yeah, we actually got to the box final, but we lost one nil in like the last two minutes, so that was a bit of a pain. So yeah, that was basically two years of unlucky injuries, which I'd never experienced before. I had no idea how to do the rehab. I was very much reliant on my physio, and it just was like one knock after the next. And I was like, this has just not been the best, you know, experience that I was hoping in my mind, you know, and it just didn't quite go to plan. um And then obviously it was COVID, you know, I third year all excited come back was made captain was voted captain great like living my best life and then covid happened so come, came over all that obviously all the covid happened but I think sort of yeah the moral of that was just you know I was in first year and a bit in second year but mainly first year I was just so adamant that I felt like I deserved to be in that team and it was not a nice environment to be around and and that is the down what like one of the downsides to sports you know when when a competitive the competitive side of it comes out you know people you know the true colors are revealed and in a sense and they weren't supportive of my journey they were very much oh she's a fresher like just leave her be you know they had no care like no respect for what I was going through and it was just like so unnecessary so then you know when I turned around and actually proved them wrong like yeah I did you know I got back to my full fitness I was made captain in third year like who like why why did you have to say that? It was just unnecessary. And for someone, you know, I would never have done that in third year, you know, when these freshers were coming in, in COVID, you know, they their whole uni experience was basically never got going. But, you know, I still made the effort to do like Zoom fitness sessions and make the effort of pre-season and get everyone involved I wasn't saying like oh well c- you know hockey's not happening so you can all sit in your dorm you know in your rooms on your own it just wasn't in my nature and I just thought when I was in first year it was just so unnecessary for me you know f- for me to have to go through that you know sat in my room on my own basically crying to my mum saying "Mom, like what like I can't get in the team like I'm injured like I don- I've never been injured in my life Do you know what I mean it just was an unnecessary feeling so yeah it was nice you know when I could just basically say I got in the team and I am good and it was unnecessary for you know for, for you to say that you know it is the nature of the game you know especially in w- women's sport as well I think it is a area that you do get that bitchiness you you know it's it, it is very common and you know it shouldn't really be in the game but it is and the competitive side does come out so I think yeah you, ha- you have to know how to manage it and I just think it wasn't managed correctly you know when you're coming into a uni you're out you know you're you know not at home you've not you don't know anyone and it was hard but it's you know it's it can be overcome and you just have to you know just rise above all that all the stuff that you can hear and and sort of carry on and just have confidence in yourself and I did have confidence in myself because I was like I'm going to prove you wrong like I can get in this team and even though it was only at uni level but to me you know I had such high like expectations of myself coming out of a very good season at school and stuff like that and there is always that like sh- you know the shot going to uni you do grow up a bit you do figure that out and you figure yourself out a bit more as well but it is you know it is tricky but it, it can be done so I think it worked out in the end I suppose. <laughs>
2: good job okay. on getting through that Grace. that is an insane two years and i think any athlete you talk to like you're so your whole life is your your body and your physicality so when you get injured it's already so isolating and then anyone else adding on to that isolation is just shitty so but i can't deny that's a, that's a crappy two, uh, two two and a half years but insane uh, to hear that you've recovered and that is a wild Story. So I understand why Mother uh, wanted to uh, uh, hear it again, but uh, yeah. after you must.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I told Grace this after she presented this story to all of us in class. I told her that, Grace, and I meant it, that this was an unbelievable story. And I was absolutely touched and big ups to you, Grace. It takes a lot of character and resilience to do that. No matter what level you reach, it holds you in good stead in the future. It shows. What type of a person you are, uh, which brings me to my next question. <laughs> I, I, honestly, it's like your story is like a movie. If someone made a movie yeah. out of this, I would buy tickets to watch it. I'm not 100%. sure about that. Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, no, it's got everything, right? It's got all the elements: facing drama. adversity, yeah. the drama, the injuries, the setbacks, then come back and then becoming captain. It, this is stuff like a Bollywood movie would definitely <laughs> do, <laughs> but. Coming back to the question, after all of this, what drew you to sports business apart from obviously we know it was your love for sport, but what else was made you go like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do because you also like all of us like Connor, like Olivia, well, not Olivia so much. Olivia's always been in sport, but like Alex as well, we've all transitioned from yeah. other fields. You did business management yourself into doing sport business. So what was the reason for that? And what next if you have thought about it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that for me, it was obviously, yeah, aside from the fact that I just liked playing sport, it was very much, you know, the sports industry is just, you know, especially even in the last 10 years, you've just seen this huge growth. And, you know, I think in the next five years, people's work life balance is going to shift again. And it is going to be more, you know, people want to be not working. So what's a big thing that people do when they're not working recreationally, it's playing sport, you know, and I just think that that balance is going to sort of be like this come probably five years time and that then means that the industry itself is going to keep on expanding and there's going to be even more opportunities for you know recreational sports it's not obviously all about the top end and watching sport and that's the only thing that you can do I think it's at all levels and I think there's so many opportunities at all levels you know whether that be yeah going to watch a football game or going to watch a cricket game but also you know just organizing events that are smaller and more community based or you know within schools and clubs like there's it's just there's so many avenues to go down and it is interesting and exciting in that sense because it's not you know it's just something a bit different it's you have to think on your think think on your feet a bit more it's just a bit more excitement and there's loads of different sports, you know, that's another thing, like it's not, there's not one sport, there's sport for everyone, you know, even the most niche sport going, I don't even know what that would be, but someone is interested in it. So I think just from that aspect of how broad it is, it's exciting because, you know, we're just starting out, we can, there's so many different opportunities. And I think that's what drew me to it because that's what drew me to my undergrad. I was like, business management, so broad, like I don't want to be stuck into one thing. Um, And then sports business is like, oh, well, I love sports, but it's also super broad and I can go into loads within that sort of realm. So I think that's sort of why I went for it. Um, And yeah, I'm just excited to sort of see what the next steps will be. And in terms of me, yeah, I have been doing this internship since Jan in the commercial partnerships, which has been, you know, it's been so eye opening and really has sort of I've got got to grips with how that commercial partnerships industry works. And so, yeah, that is definitely one avenue that I will come September will be sort of looking very much in that realm. But also I have a real like sort of almost like an itch to scratch with like organising, like being in sports events and also like hospitality, sporting events, sort of that sort of operations ilk. So I'm very much in my mind that will be the two main avenues that I'm going to look at come when I finish my disc in two weeks you know I'd love to be organizing huge sports events I think that would just be so exciting because there's so much within that as well it's not just organizing a sports event there's loads to it but also again I've sort of developed a real interest for the commercial partnership side so I don't want to completely disregard it so I'm very open I'm just such an open mind. I've almost not got anything in my mind is sort of where I'm at at the moment. So um we'll just see what happens. I'm very, yeah, very open. See see what happens, really. I'm
2: gonna yeah. steal that quote, Grace. I'm so open minded. <laughs> I'm definitely stealing that one.
1: <laughs> no, I, I definitely agree with what you had to say, Grace. And like I said, I think given how clear you were in your head when you decided to pursue schooling instead of sport at that age when literally sport is all we think about as people who have loved sport i think that only proves what 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 was forthcoming anyway in terms of where you stand right now it's been an absolute pleasure to listen to your story firstly so thank you for that grace
0: thanks now we are
1: and we're not going to leave you so early and so easily We'll do our trademark rapid fire that we do with all our guests. Uh, Just a light one because there was a lot to digest after that. So I'm going to kick it off. Just first thought in your mind. We're not going to spend too much time. Your favorite childhood book or series?
0: Easy. It has to be Twilight, Breaking Dawn. Best book ever. (laughs) (laughs)
1: wow I did not expect that Grace I did not expect that they're my
0: favorite film series as well like I've probably watched them all a hundred times yeah love it (laughs) it's the first book that I like properly got into was Breaking Dawn yeah love it
1: well it's at least different from the typical responses of Harry Potter so that's um... yeah
0: never into Harry Potter I love the films but I've never read the books so
1: (laughs) you're missing out I'm just saying
0: (laughs) maybe one day one day I'll get around to it
1: Okay, the next one. You, the to, uh, the toughest hockey game that you can remember?
0: Toughest hockey game is definitely the Bucks final that I had um, in second year. It was the most like tedious game because we were all over them, but we just couldn't score. And it was just the most frustrating thing ever. And then in the last five minutes they scored and it was just, it. we were so evenly matched and it was just the most frustrating thing I've ever played in my life. So definitely that.
1: Cutting your favorite class you've ever taken in terms of wow. whatever module subject
0: whatever. wow that's a hard one i mean does it have to be at uni or can it be at school
1: it can be at school as well 100
0: percent a level p i loved it should have done it i should have done it at uni i loved it i just <laughs> just thought it was quite easy but also i was interested in it and 40 percent was me being able to play sports so like easy 40 percent in the bag. i say <laughs> I
1: like that you brought this up because I remember we had a choice if you were like sort of you, you had some disability then you could choose PE as your additional subject yeah. and I and it was so gutting because we weren't allowed to do we it wanted because it. yeah because it was like yeah. writing measurements of a football pitch that was literally like one question in your exam paper and I was so gutted we couldn't take PE because yeah, firstly great. we enjoyed it and at the same time it would have been easy for someone who's always followed sports so I agree yeah, with you
0: right that's great, I'm-, was great. <laughs> I'm sorry that you missed out Maas <laughs>
1: it's fine it works out in the end it works out in the end gotcha.
2: <laughs> okay grace your um sporting idol
0: oh it's a good one um I would probably have to say it, it would have to be a netball player it would probably I mean Tracy Neville is in terms of a coach is like she what she did with the England netball team is just crazy you know they won won the medal but I'd also say like in terms of actual like career success, it would have to be like Serena Williams, like what she did is, is just, and you know, it's so sad now seeing it all come to the end. And Emma obviously absolutely thrashing her like a couple of days ago. So that's sad to see, but also like her career has just been like outstanding. So I think in terms of like a motivational point of an aspirational point of view, like everything she's done is, is yeah, I'd have to be her probably.
2: Fair enough. Great answers, Grace, non-sporting idol. <sighs>
0: um it's a good question it was complete it's no one famous but it was um it's a woman that she was the deputy head at my senior school she was South African hockey player um she was the captain for one of the Olympics I think when they came third or something um and she's just like the most incredible woman I've ever met and I think at that age I just like looked up to her so much like she was so I saw myself in her because she was just like so straight talking like pretty to the point very blunt which is me yeah I just loved her and I thought she was just really cool so yeah and it still would be her I saw her actually I went back for like Fram OF sports day um where we played like old Framlinghamians we played um like the current team and she was there and she's actually just left at the end of this year and is going to pursue new things and she's got two young kids and it was just yeah really lovely to see so yeah her I mean you don't know who she is but that random woman. (laughs)
2: that's the perfect answer it didn't have to be anyone famous that's a great answer any anyone who is inspiring to you last question for me favorite vacation
0: oh it'd have to be cyprus um i've literally been there my whole life my favorite place been every year since i was like four so definitely cyprus
1: that's awesome grace so the last two questions then we let you go your favorite sport to follow outside of hockey is netball but Mm -hmm. outside of those two which is your favorite sport?
0: um probably football I just I love seeing all the memes on Instagram and (laughs) um like Sky Sports and stuff and it's always football and I do I actually love watching football um I just never do unless it's on TV like if it's put in front of me yeah definitely football
1: Norwich City fan.
0: Well, I mean, I suppose I have to say that, don't I? But I mean, not really. Uh, my dad's a huge. My dad's from Manchester. He's a huge United fan, um, obsessed. So um, I've always I grew up with United. So it would probably. I be like my, that, please. Yeah.
1: That's the way to go. No matter what the state of the club is, it's our club. Uh, <laughs> your favorite junk food to Ooh. end on.
0: It would literally. I mean, it's not even junk food, but I. It would just be crumpets with butter on top.
1: Oh, that—that's pretty much junk food. I would call crumpets junk food. Yeah. Wait, what, I, are
0: crumpets, I, what are crumpets?
1: What are crumpets?
2: What are crumpets? Like, yeah. Are they like scones? No. I'm gonna sound extremely presumptuous of yeah, like combining like, British it's things. It's just
0: like a circular. I don't know how to describe it. It's just They're like not cordy, like scones. Ready. Just really yummy. Just look it up. Look it up. it's It's walbertons walbertons crumpets that is where they're at okay. you just have to go and you have to burn not burn them but you have to, to- put them on at least six on the toaster actually <laughs> like a bit crispy on the outside <laughs> so, i
1: am so, looking at it now <laughs> so it's a bit like toast but it's differently Thicker. shaped so it's like a bagel oh, come yeah. toast it's yeah. like i think yeah. that's the best way to describe it yeah. but it's not a scone for sure but I, I feel like I've heard of this, but I've actually
2: never seen it. So I'm, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, I definitely classify this as junk food, especially with every picture <laughs> has like mass exactly. amounts of butter on butter. it. So, yeah. yeah.
0: It's the butter. It's not the bread, it's the butter. It, yeah, like lathering it in butter 100
2: <laughs> This does yeah. sound good. I'm also really hungry. I've not eaten lunch, so now pretty much everything looks insane. So, probably not a good idea for me to have looked it up. Anyhow. <laughs>
1: Krishnan, you are in America. There's only junk food around you.
2: Hang <laughs> <laughs> on. I mean, I'm going to get something very similar now to appease my <laughs> hunger like now. <laughs> love
1: that. Uh, all right. Thank you so much, Grace. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you.
0: I loved it. Enjoyed myself.
1: <laughs> and yeah, and we love the story. I love listening to the story again as well. Just for our viewers, mm. like, share, subscribe. You know the drill to let us know who, what types of guests you want us to bring on as well. We This is another sport we've tackled. We've done way too many now, but that's pretty much it. We'll see you again next week. Till then, take care and see you soon. Bye-bye.
2: If you like this episode, make sure to leave a like and share it with anyone else who might be interested. You can also subscribe on any social media platform that you prefer and all our links are in the bio. We also have a website with all our episodes as well as blogs and a whole lot of other sports content so make sure to check that out as well.